When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. The following is a presentation of Morning Drive Media. From the southernmost point of door to the lands of always winter, and what is west of west and westeros, and the shadows in the east, this is Casterly Talk, presented by Morning Drive Media and the Good People Association. Hello, everybody. Hello, friends. Happy to be here with you. Talking Game of Thrones. The big rewatch is still going here at Casterly Talk. And now Casterly Talk has its new own YouTube home. Uh, you can, uh, If you're watching it now, if you're seeing this face, this Davos Seaworth-like face, you're probably watching it on that YouTube channel. Subscribe if you were subscribed to uh, my own channel, Ken Epsock. That's where some of the videos were going for Casterly Talk. Now we're all here. All right. All right. It's all right. But the podcast remains right where it is. We are part of the Good People Association, which is the company founded by me, Josh McCuga, Mark Riley, Eric Bass, the band Shinedown. It is a digital media brand, a production company, and an empire of fun. And Cashly Talk is now co-production with that wonderful company. I'm here with you all uh, in my home studio where a plant is nicely hanging. Well, sometimes when I do these shows alone, I like to switch to the other angle, even though it's a little different camera, but I, I don't know. I just feel more comfortable just staring, staring down, staring down. But if you're listening on the podcast, it, it would, which more of you do, you don't see my face. Lucky you. Lucky you. We are talking today about, what do we got? Oh, gosh. Get the notes up, kid. Oh, yeah, that's right. All right. Episode 18 of the show overall. But Season 2, Episode 8, The Prince of Winterfell. This is a fantastic episode, but coming off one of my favorite episodes in Episode 7, which we talked about last week, of course, you know, hard act to follow. But this is a great episode. Uh, original air date was May 20th, 2012. We always like to ask, where were you? Director was Alan Taylor. He had four this season. He's got uh, Episode 10 after this one, after at least starting the year off. Uh, Benny Weiss wrote this one as well. Cinematographer Jonathan Freeman, editing Francis Parker. Cinematographer Jonathan Freeman, there's some great shots here with, with uh, Yara and Theon to start off the show. Overall, uh, this was one of those episodes. It's funny, I talked last week about, you know, I love episode seven of season two so, so much. But it sometimes it doesn't feel, especially if you're watching it for the first time, it doesn't feel like it's, moving towards the big event. And the big event, usually episode nine, is something that 
Following Ned Stark's death, and now then uh, this season with the Battle of Blackwater Bay, we just got used to it. But it wasn't necessarily a promise every time that we're going to have a big event. Um, it just kind of was the way it was set. So to say this season was didn't seem to be at times building towards a big event is almost not fair to the season. But last week it, it paid off. It's not really building up, but it's moving towards some greatness. And this season, uh, this this episode for this season, episode eight, Prince of Winterfell, I do believe is truly moving the pieces to uh, on the board and getting us set for Episode 9, The Battle of Blackwater Bay. One of the overall notes in this episode I wanted to point out, I, I want to make sure I pointed out top, uh, the wind. I think the wind is really the star of this episode. A lot of windy scenes. The, the ADR had to be just crazy on that. Just the wind just flapping flags around, blowing dialogue away. Uh, and I loved it. It was a great effect. It gives that uh, truly a lived-in, World. Uh, this episode begins and ends with Winterfell, Theon trying to be in control of it all, but not really. And that's why the title of the episode, The Prince of Winterfell, works. Though a lot of episodes, ti- episode titles in Game of Thrones, they have a lot of different meanings. Uh, but I love focusing on what they're what they're trying to say. Hey, this episode is uh, anchored by uh, these two scenes there at the end. There, so let's dive into some of the themes and lessons here on the show. Sometimes. Uh, the lessons and the themes and what every episode is about is pretty apparent. And sometimes you have to kind of dig in a little bit. And all these, of course, are open to interpretation. If you're doing this rewatch with me, you might watch an episode and have a, a different feel. It's also why I love bringing on uh, guests and the other co-hosts of this uh, podcast feed. The lockdown kind of made it a little hard to do that this year, even though virtually can sometimes be easier. Uh, so we miss... Uh, Rachel Cushing and Thomas Risling and Lon Harris and Andres Cabrera, Michelle Boyd, and a lot of other voices who come on this channel because they have always always have wonderful, sometimes similar interpretations, but different interpretations. So uh, I'll just note if, if any of you are finding me for the first time, maybe through the GPA. These are my interpretations and my notes for what we got. And this episode, I, I looked at it, I said, who you are and who you want to be. There's a lot of truth. The theme is uh, truth. And, I, I, and And this isn't about faking it. Um, but like who you really are. And there's a lot of, uh, you know, the, because it's titled The Prince of Winterfell, which is this mocking title kind of given to Theon here when, when Yara arrives. You know, it's like uh, it, it's like that's what you want to be. It's not really what you are. Maybe you can get to there. Maybe you can't get away from your nature. And maybe that nature is bad. And maybe that nature is good. And when I started to see this episode in that light, some things absolutely started to emerge. And, and, and like we said, right from the top, we got Yara showing up like a boss, by the way. We love Yara. Um, showing up, spinning around Theon and the horse, and mocking him, mocking him in front of the men. Uh, and, 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 you know, Theon's trying to hold, keep up a brave face. Uh, and great stuff. And we'll get into some favorite lines and moments and scenes. But great stuff where she's just like, you killed two boys. That doesn't make you prince of nothing. And she's kind of... Against it, and not like it's it's as Yara has some morals there, right? We 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 over those great joys. Sometimes we think they don't, but they, I I think Yara does here. And I love when she tells everyone to kind of get on out. Can they have the room? And she goes from kind of mercilessly, but poignantly mocking Theon because it's like it's almost like satire. It's not just a dumb hacky joke. Like satire has purpose. It has lessons. It has themes behind it. And Yara's hacking on Theon here. Trying to get some points across. When she, when she sees those points aren't coming across and she s- sees that who he wants to be is in 
you know, kind of combat with who he really is. She wants to save him. D.B. Weiss talks about that about this episode. Like, Yara actually does, she's a great joy. He's a great joy. She wants to save him in spite of himself. But she kind of realizes maybe she can't. And she'll try again. Remember, she tries again later on. Well, Ramsey enters the scene. And he can't be rescued there, too. Theon has to rescue, rescue himself, I think. Theon has to redeem himself through his actions. And he's sliding. This season is where he's really sliding down the, the slope and, and losing who he is. And I love, uh, you know, again, Prince of Winterfell. You, you took the castle. That's so great. But you're ironborn, baby brother. She tells him this. You know, she met their family. They endured their father. But know who you are. And she uh, says to him, don't die up here, which we'll talk about later in, in scenes that mean more. So that kind of starts the episode of just seeing what it is, you know, because we know Theon's in, in, in conflict with himself, too, about, you know, am I Stark? Am I Greyjoy? Can I get my father's love? Can I get his approval? Uh, did I have it from Ned and I, I abused it? Did, can I get it from Rob and John and everyone? They looked down on me, but did they? I tried and tried and tried. So he's, he's constantly trying to find out who he is, and, and he is faking it. The Prince of Winterfell is, is a fake to me. It's a good move from a certain standpoint, at least in the beginning, right? Um, but he's losing himself. He's losing his control. And, and Yara shows up to remind you of, of, of who you really are. And that sometimes uh, takes um, precedence over who you want to be. Again, something that's in this episode. A lot of people questioning who they are. Jon Snow, he is now captured. He's in the uh, possession of uh, Lord of Bones, uh, uh, Rattleshirt, um, Egret and, and you know, Corn Halfhand is there, captured too. And, and some great stuff because John, last episode, we talked about, you know, that's the great, the you know nothing, Jon Snow speech uh, from Egret is, is, uh, is a lot about, you know, you, you got the blood of the first man in you. What are you doing fighting? Like, who really, who are you? Who really are you, John? And he's asking himself that. And, and he still is a night's watchman. He's still has taken those vows, believes those vows. And by the way, I don't think that's good. Brianne Tarth talks later on about vows and the importance of that. Um, so John is in this scenario, in this episode, when he's, when he's uh, presented to the Lord of Bones, he is Ned's son to the free folk. The truth we, we may have guessed here or knew, definitely know later on, doesn't really matter. In this situation, he is a Stark. He is Ned's son. And... Egret does want to save him, too. She's, uh, you know, we've talked about last week. The connection's there. She might not want to admit it. She might be willing to chop his balls off if he runs, but the connection's there. But it's also valuable. Uh, and there's some great stuff about Mance, as we haven't yet to meet Mance, but Egret's got some insight into Mance. We can talk about that. So, uh, you know, you got Corn Half in there. Telling John, yeah, your brother's died for you. See, that, see that's not a waste. See, it's not done in vain. And is John a man of the Night's Watch, as Corn wants him to be? Or is he more than that? Who is he going to be? Who does he want to be? Who is he really? And Egret's already got the ball rolling. One of my favorite John moments, I can't wait to talk about it more in season three, is, is him telling Mance, while trying to lie to Mance, while trying to be, you know, take it into the, the wildlings, the free folk there, and he tells uh, Mance a lie, and Mance sees through it. What does John answer? I want to fight for the side that fights for the living. I think that's the truth. I think that is who John really is. And going back to these episodes, this battle, who are you and who do you want to be and who are you really? Deep down, John is starting to discover who he really is. And a lot of this, of course, coming through Egret 
and what he can. It's re- I always love these reflections. I think a lot of these characters get to have other characters that reflect themselves uh, back at them, and so you you learn a lot about yourself. I think that's the case for life too. In this episode, it's it's two uh, very uh, wonderful, powerful female characters flashing back, uh, reflecting back on some of uh, our leads here, uh, John and Rob Stark. Rob Stark and Talisa. It's it's duty over desire in this episode. This is this is the episode that Rob really breaks his vows, breaks his promise to Walter Frey. And is he, who is he? Is he a lord protecting his people or or, or just a man in love? Uh, Talisa uh, kind of opens up that kind of the, the, the deeper thoughts and, and, and the questioning inside Rob beyond just the, the physical attraction and all those kind of things. Yeah, I get that. That's there. That's great. But she is a high-born lady. But in this episode, she says who she really is, who she wants to be. And it's uh, in conflict with the title that she's given of Lady from Volantis. Tells the great story of, of her brother and the slave who saved her brother and what it cost him and how she decided never want to leave, live in a uh, slave city again. And, and she comes, uh, goes west and, and is, lives a life of service, uh, which inspires Rob. And there's some great stuff um, in, this, in these scenes and some great stuff from D.B. Weiss afterwards. Uh, if you watch those extras, I always highlight those. This is just uh, uh, great, uh, uh, great insights there from the, the uh, writers of the episode. And I love when Rob's saying, do you think I'm fighting this war for gold and glory? I want to go home. And I believe him. So does he really want to go home or is he truly a conqueror? Is that in conflict? And then he wants to be honorable. And I think that's what he's trying to say to Talisa. I'm, I'm honorable. Um, I was raised in honor. I was raised to understand honor. Ned Stark, the honorable Ned Stark. Catelyn Stark, my mom, she's honorable. But what has happened? And this is, this is stuff directly that D.B. Weiss is saying. We already know that the honor... Sticking so closely to who you are. We're not, we're not suggesting that being dishonorable is the right thing, but honor essentially killed his father, got his father killed. Catelyn Stark, she's helped raised him in honor, of, of course, right? More than helped, raised him. And here she is breaking her own kind of family uh, uh, vows and bonds to Rob, the king of the north, by letting Jamie Lannister go. And she's done it because of who she wants to be. Kat is a Stark, but she's also a mother. And her driving force has always been family. She says, why should she do it for the girls? For the girls. Great when Rickard Karstark comes in, understandably upset. I understand his vengeance. Kat's got some great stuff back. Your sons are dead. My daughters are still alive. That's my driving force. Beyond any other vows or oaths or anything I've had or any name or any title I have, Lady Stark of Winterfell, that's my title, but who am I? I'm going to go this way. And Rob's seen these vows being broken, seen, not, again, not dishonor, but the, the two people who have preached, stick, stick to your guns, be honorable, are veering off the course. And that leads to Rob saying, I don't want to marry the Frey girl. I don't want to just do things for that bridge. I don't want to go down and just conquer. I want to go home. I want to be me. And, and he makes a decision, costly decision. The sins of the Starks, I always talk about. But this is a very real moment. I, it, it is way more than just simple to me. I want to marry this woman. 
I love her. She's she's attractive. End of story. No, the phrase the Frey girl might not be attractive. It's way beyond that. Who does Rob Stark want to be? And what he has seen, the examples in front of him. Um, Ned holding the course till his death. Cat veering off the course to be more in line with who she wants to be in this world. It affects Rob. Did Cat make a mistake? I, not in terms of how it affects the Starks. Yeah, yeah, you're starting to lose the Car Starks. You're definitely, uh, you know, you may have already lost Roos, even though he, even if he didn't sign any contracts with Tywin and Walder Frey yet, you're losing Roos. More on Roos's looks later on. So yeah, tactically mistake probably. Um, was it a dishonor? Was it treason? Yeah, I'd just say it was. I used to hold Cat, Catelyn Stark, closer to the flames. I used to say she, she, she did a lot of things that caused these problems. Yeah, yeah, on the surface, yes. But this is one of those episodes. This is one of those moments when I really watched Michelle Fairley just amazing. Just explaining why. And me, I'm not in that tent with Rob Stark. And I understand he's got to play all sides. Cat make a mistake? Yes. Yeah, I think she made a mistake. She'd probably do it again and again and again because it was probably the right thing to do. So I stand by that. Because uh, of that mistake she made, Jamie's on the run. Everybody's on the run. He is on the run. Well, actually, he's not on the run. Uh, Brianna Stark is, uh, Brianna Tarth. Brianna Stark, eh, maybe she want to be Stark. Brianna Tarth is on the run with Jamie Lannister, trying to get down to King's Landing, trying not to be seen. And I, I love what's going on here. A lot of great brand stuff of uh, oaths. Oathkeeper. She's an oathkeeper to the very end. And she wants to keep her oaths. And she knows that who is she? She's probably more of a knight than Jamie Lannister, the great knight. And I love uh, that she talks about what she swears versus Jamie breaking his vows, according to her. And we're going to learn more about that. Great little scene. Uh, and it's so fun to watch this scene now, knowing where it all ends up. Both the pain and the and the joys. But uh, Brienne and Jamie, good stuff there. Uh, continuing with the theme, looking at this here in this episode here as we uh, uh, get through the Prince of Winterfell and get ready for the Battle of Blackwater Bay. Arya, she wants to kill Tywin. She wants to help her family. But who is she? She's something else. And I love this. This isn't. Uh, this is a little offshoot of the kind of this main theme I'm talking about. But her. Her path branches off. And it branches off for reasons she doesn't understand. And she has to trust it to go forward. And this episode is all about trust as well for me. You got to trust a lot of people in this world. And it's tough. It's tough in our world. It's tough in this world. And Jagan Hagar, with this great sequence of, of her naming him as the third name after, you know, she wants Tywin dead. And I'll say this. I, I love Jagan Hagar. I kind of... It's a little, Arya's getting a raw deal here. She was promised, I say a name, you kill him. Now, Jagan says it, it has nothing to do with, you know, you say the name. It, days, weeks, months, I don't know, years. So if you say Tywin, I can kill Tywin, but it's not going to happen right now. I don't know if that was expressly stated at the beginning of the deal. It's terms of service, I guess, maybe Arya should have checked. But I love this moment. It starts... We know where we know where Arya goes, right? And I, I maybe assume someone's could be listening or watching to this this show who's never seen all eight seasons. And if you're doing episode by episode, I apologize if I'm getting some spoilers in there. So 
Stand back a bit if you want. We know where Arya's life goes, but at this point, she doesn't, she can't see any of that. She can't feel any of that. She has no idea that she'll never see most of her family again to the very end, that she'll go on this journey, that her uh, biggest ally will be someone she wants to kill, and that eventually she'll leave this land seeking and thinking she's getting the vengeance she wants, but really she's getting the skills she needs. Who do you want to be? Who, who you really are. And sometimes who you really are is going to emerge whether you want it or not. Whether he's super, super intentionally doing this, I don't think he is. Jagannagar is starting her uh, Arya Stark on her path, but also teaching her patience. Teaching Arya Stark the long game. Am I oversimplifying the path of Arya Stark? Yeah, absolutely, sure. I don't have that much time uh, in every episode to get into it. But I love, uh, I love this, what this episode represents for, for Arya. She has been an employee, uh, if, if you can call that, with Tywin. Has a weird, has a weird connection and bond almost with Tywin. Like she almost feels sad that she's leaving him, but also she she wants to take him out. She wants to take him out. So the panic sets in. She names him. She's right there. She's right there. She sees Tywin getting on the horse. That's what she wants right now. That's what she wants. She again. She's a Stark. She's Stark of Winterfell at this point. She's Arya. And Arya. Wants to do what's right. She wants to protect her family, protect her brother. Those things aren't wrong. Removing Tywin from the board, not wrong. But the pieces are getting put in place for the next episode. Tywin needs to march. He needs to head on down. He needs to join the fight, defend the city. Uh, Lannister, I love the great. I love Kevin Lannister saying, you know, Cersei and Joffrey could get out of there. They could kick rocks, get out of King's Landing. Let Stannis take the city. We have our, uh, nope. A king who runs is, uh, is not a king for long. He's a Lannister. He's going to stand and fight. And Tywin's going to join the fight. So he's off on his adventure. And Arya wants to be in front of that adventure. Conquest, whatever. Defense of the city. Arya thinks that's her story. And that's not her story. And maybe we as an audience think in this episode. Maybe we as an audience have some expectations and want Arya to be a certain thing. But Arya's going to go this way. It's not me. She doesn't fully understand it yet. It's not me. And I love that episode for I love this episode for that and love the moment there. We got Tyrion. We got a lot of great stuff with Tyrion. A lot of stuff with uh, Cersei. Uh, but Tyrion, I, I put the... And kind of connecting thing, things back to this theme and these big lessons. Tyrion wants to defend the city. He wants to be... Not to, the hero of the city. He's not looking for that glory. But he, he kind of needs to defend the city. And so he wants it. But he doesn't know how yet. He wants to be, to me, he's studying these uh, great uh, defenses, uh, the Archmaester Shavalathan, uh, one of my favorite jokes, we'll talk about that in a second. But, um, he wants to be, again, not in the pursuit of uh, glory for Tyrion here, but just he wants to be a, a mastermind of the city. But he wants help, he needs Bronze help, Bronze picking his fingers. And who Tyrion is emerges and when that emerges, Tyrion finds the path forward to defend the city. He wants to be the great defender of the city, but he finds out who he is makes that possible. They have the pig shit. Um, he knows the Mudgate, his knowledge of the city. He's great at this game. And so he starts to become who he wants to be, because who, who he needs to be in this moment. Stannis is back. We're truly moving the pieces. I love my Stannis. Everyone knows that. Only me and Eric Monroe here on uh, Casterly Talk World really love Stannis, but 
he's back. He's been away for a bit, you know, in a season that's about Stannis trying to take King's Landing. And, you know, for me, not enough Stannis. He's back. He's with Davos. And I love here talk about titles. Talk about titles with, with, with Prince of the Winterfell, with, with the Prince of Winterfell, that title, a mocking title. It's what Theon wants to be, but it's not who he really is, and he has to come to terms with that. It's a long-term process. The flip side of that, in a way, is Davos. Stannis is talking about it. They call you the Onion Knight. They mock you. They mock you. And you wear that proudly. You wear it as a sigil. Yeah, yeah, my son, Matos, wants me to have a mermaid, three mermaids with a trident or whatever Davos says. But he wears it as a, it's a badge of honor, but I, I, I think it's Davos. Going back to what Tyrion says in like episode one of the show when he talks to Jon about wear who you are as armor and no one can hurt you with it, right? Paraphrasing, of course. I think Davos does that here. I think that's what Davos does. They call him the Onion Knight, but I know what that meant. I know what that meant to the people I saved and know what that meant to me and my honor and who I am, and I'm not, I know who I am. That title is not me. Where Theon wants to be. I'm the Prince of Winterfell. God damn it, please pay attention to me. Davos is the other side. Who are you? Who do you want to be? Title doesn't matter to Davos. I'll wear it. They can call me it. They can snicker. But I know who I am. And it's one of the uh, just endearing qualities and traits of Davos Seaworth. Uh, who, you know, as much as I talk about Stannis, I think I, I think I have a, just a strong connection with Davos as well. And I always say I love seeing Stannis through Davos's eyes because it's always a reminder to me of, of what could have been with Stannis. I'm not saying Stannis is a nice guy and that he ever would have been a great king, but I do think I, I've said before, but the, the, the story of Stannis is the loss of self and pursuit and the obsessive pursuit of something. And one of the th- uh, 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 sub-lessons of, and themes of this episode is justice and vengeance. Uh, Rickard Karstark and his pursuit of vengeance. Rob, he's out for justice. He says he wants to go home. He's not a king. He's not a king of the south. He's, he doesn't want to conquer. And Talisa's just like, then why are you doing this? Well, justice. I'm out for justice. Richard Karstark's out for revenge. Cersei is out for revenge. She thinks she's got it, but really she doesn't. There's a lot of that there. Um, and, uh, you know, then you, you go, uh, Stannis has got a little bit of, uh, that going on too. He goes into the great stuff. Uh, some of my favorite lines, but we'll, we'll talk about here in a second, but he talks about it, the defensive storm's end and he didn't get acknowledged for that. And he does his duty, but whatever. Um, now he knows what he wants and it's a little bit of a pursuit of, um, justice for himself. He feels, and that can, that can often take you off, take you away from who you are, which is again, why I go to Davos and how he sees Stannis what Stannis could be. It's, it's painful for a Stannis fan like me, but here we go. Other little things. Joffrey wants to be a brave warrior, but he's, well, you know, he's Joffrey. Some great stuff in there. Uh, Danny, there's some uh, great stuff with Danny. Uh, not a ton of stuff with Danny here in Karth. Jorah gets a little bit more talking to. Uh, they're a little at odds right now. She, you know, he's trying. Jorah's trying. Um, Danny uh, wants to be the mother of dragons, and she is going to take that title, and that title means everything to her. She's not going to let that title go here. Uh, she wants her children. That's going to lead to some great stuff with the House of the Undying there. Uh, moving along here into uh, things that are, uh, we always talk about foreshadowing, things with more meaning. This isn't necessarily things that I think the show was saying, hey, look, this is going to happen. Sometimes it is, and sometimes the clues are just so subtle, and other times it's just, just painful stuff to watch. I, I mentioned it, but Yara saying to Theon, don't die so far from the sea in the place 
you know, not literally. It's uh, in the hall, not the, uh, not the uh, under the heart tree. But um, don't die so far from the sea to Theon where he will die. And that is, I think, knowing that now, looking back for with the eight seasons behind us, it makes the theme even more kind of clear for me when in, ter- in terms of of Theon. He does want to be a Greyjoy. He has reasons to want to keep that name and to prove uh, who he is to his father that are that are realistic, uh, come from bad, dark places. But I understand Theon's pursuit of it there. Completely loses himself, all the stuff, and he ends up uh, dying a hero of Winterfell, really. Um, and I think that this moment means a little bit more for me now. I talked about Egret and Mance, Mance Raider. We haven't met Mance yet, but we're, you know, he's being built up. The, the king... Um, the king of uh, the king beyond the wall. I almost said the king of the true north, which I would have worked. The king beyond the wall. He's being built up, and we don't get as many things in the show about Mance as, as we do in the books, understandably, and some great man stuff in there. But we're engaging with what's presented to us on the show, and this is one of the this is a little insight in, uh, into Mance from Egret. Now she's trying to convince Lord of Bones, little uh, Rattleshirt there, that uh, you know Jon Snow is a valuable prisoner, Ned Stark's son. Um, we need to take him to Mance. Um, Lord of Bones not really on board with that until, you know, uh, Egret says the truth. Uh, don't know. Think Hill, meaning Mance, think he'll want to decide for himself. Now, on the surface, that's just a great, yeah, you know, take it, let the boss decide what he wants to do with the prisoner there, uh, Lord of Bones. But also, it's such a Mance thing, right? That's all he wants is choice. Give Mance the choice to do what he wants. Don't make it for him. That's a big thing for Mance. So Egret kind of giving us an, an early insight into Mance here. A lot of stuff with uh, Jamie and Brienne. I'm almost uh, skipping over some of this episode, so I apologize for Jamie and Brienne fans uh, there. I promise we'll get Rachel on again soon, and we'll, we'll dive deep into uh, the Jamie and Brienne journey there. But I love when uh, they're t- Jamie's kind of like, yeah, you think you can beat me? You think you can beat me? And uh, other one, Brienne says, maybe one day we'll find out, Kingslayer. We'll find out soon enough. Now, Jamie was, uh, you know, one-armed, tired, beaten down, but I do not take that win away from Brienne. She was going to defeat him. She knew it. She had him. Uh, Locke came and ruined that there. Uh, I love uh, Rorge and Arya. Uh, Rorge or Rorg uh, is uh, just the real prick uh, that was with uh, Jagannagar and um, uh, was a biter in the uh, in the, the, the Night's Watch um, cart there, the prison cart with uh, Yorn. And here he comes again saying some really mean things, really mean things to Arya. But it's nice to know that Arya is going to get her revenge. I uh, love uh, Grand Ed and Sam finding the dragon glass. Uh, you know, um, we're diving into the themes and lessons of the show, but I also love the little uh, little plot things, little, uh, you know, things to come. And, and you'll need this dragon glass for Sam to, to be seen dragon glass, knowing that he'll become a... Uh, uh, a slayer, send the slayer with it. Uh, I, uh, I enjoy that there. Fun little moment. And I, I just, Ed and Grant are great and Pip too. Uh, great stuff. Um, we can also talk about, um, let's talk about Stannis here. Stannis saying, I always do my duty and duty. And uh, those are kind of his last words anyways to Brienne. Love that. I uh, love to see with Tyrion and Varys talking about the game and Danny and, um, girl on the far side of the world with three dragons and, and, and the great line from Tyrion of one game at a time, my friend. And knowing that, yeah, both of them are going to be fully intertwined with that game and it will end uh, Varys's life, of course, one day. But just to know, all the way back in season two, they had no idea that, where they'd end up. Um, there's also some stuff here um, 
Uh, with Tyrion and talking about the drains of Casterly Rock, that factors into season seven. But Varys says some stuff. Uh, I didn't write it down specifically, but he says some stuff about the dragons and should the dragons come over here. It won't be good. It won't be good. And so even then, even then, Varys is clued in to what Danny riding a, on, on a dragon over King's Landing could mean for King's Landing. So it is uh, consistent with, with Varys' outlook on the world. Uh, going back to the Jorah and uh, Danny stuff, we went to a lot into the great stuff last week. We got more great stuff coming with Danny here and Karth. I really, I do like the Danny and Karth stuff. It's a little, like we keep saying, it's a little different. Even Amelia Clark has said it's, it was a little different to play. It's a different kind of Danny. But looking back, really watching the season in conjunction with the rest of, uh, you know, the eight, the eight full up uh, full seasons now. Just to me, it's interesting. Danny, I think, learned some key lessons and sees what she could be in Karth and, and continues to learn uh, a lot about who, who she wants to be. And she wants that title, Mother of Dragons, and she's going to get it. She feels that's who she is. Um, and uh, I love it. Uh, 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 Jorah saying, uh, you know, I'll, I will die for you. I will never abandon you. Uh, talking about the time, uh, you know, seeing her come out of the pyre with the dragon, saying, until my last breath, I will remember. As a Jorah guy, it's hard to watch, knowing what happens. He, he, he will die for her. He will never abandon her. Even when she tries to make him, she'll never abandon him. I love that. Great stuff. Favorite lines, scenes, and moments. We talked a lot about it. Yara, go on then. Warn me. I want to use that in real life sometimes. <laughs> love her. She's so good. Uh, Corn half and to John. See that it wasn't nothing. I really do like that line. And, you know, John goes an interesting journey. And I think he, I think he remains true. It, it, you know, and just talking about the theme for this episode of, of who you are and who you want to be. And just in, in, in breaking it down to just Nightwatch, uh, Nightwatch and, and, and a ranger of the Night's Watch. That's a title John wants, title John gets. And I think in the end, he stays more true to the vows than anyone else. So why Corn didn't necessarily mean that. And I don't know if Corn would have been happy uh, opening the wall and bringing the free folk down. I don't know. And I love Corn Afan, but I don't know. He might have sided with uh, Sir Alistair Thorne there. But I, I love this line. Uh, uh, see that it wasn't for nothing. And I, I think John makes, make, you know, holds true to that. Uh, we're talking about Tywin's line, a king who runs will not be king for long. I love I love little Tywin lines and, and tactics and strategies and lessons. Strategies and tactics. The same thing, Tyrion would tell. He's poor company when he's sober, but he's better at his work, Tyrion on the mountain. Uh, there's a little moment when when John and, and, and Corrin are getting into their uh, little uh, fake fight there. Um, John is lost. Catch up, John. Like, be a good improv guy. Yes, and. Yes, and. Uh, Corn gets starts screaming at him. They he knocks him down the hill. Uh, Lord of Bones tells Corn he's not your uh, prisoner to kill. I love when Egret is looking down the hill at John. Just kind of looks off at Corn. I always wonder. It's a great choice by Rose Leslie as a performer. But I was wondering, like, does she is she suspecting what's going on, or is she like, look at you? You just got challenged by the Night's Watch. Who do you want to be? And maybe I can turn you. Maybe it's all of the above. Little column A, little column B. It's just a great look. It's a great little look. One of my favorite little moments. Uh, I do love the Archmaster uh, Shivalathan joke. Uh, I think that's really good. I love the little running bits sometimes through, you know, uh, Tyrion and his walking into a brothel with a honeycomb and a jackass. Uh, the joke that <laughs> never finishes all through the show. And then I love this joke all through a scene. And Tyrion just kind of in the middle of this kind of intense scene, keeping the joke going with Bronn. Love that. Uh, Ed has a great line. Great ranger, great rangers never get old. Shit ones either. 
Uh, Ari, I love uh, when talking to Jagan Agar, Ari's little shrug when she's when, when Jagan says you have no honor, and she just goes, hmm, yeah. Them's the them's the, them's the breaks, kid. Uh, I talked about Roos. Roos, it is under the breath shrugs. All, looking back, I, I I was I was a little caught off guard on the first go around back in 2012 of of Roos going bad, and I feel stupid uh, and hadn't hadn't caught up to the third book by then, all that kind of stuff. But I'm talking like 2012, 2013. I was like, I liked Roos. He seemed like a good guy. And then I go back and watch now, and and have watched for years now, just to see how many times in season two Roos is just like. Ugh. Mm, under his breath shrugging. Mm, can't wait to take this kid out. Uh, I love that. Even though if he hadn't committed to the idea of treason and going with Frey's and Ty- Tywin, it, Roos was going to find a way. He was losing it. Uh, I do love the line, I don't want to marry the Frey girl. I just love the Rob just get oh, there's an intense scene. I don't want to marry the Frey girl. I don't want you to either. Uh, uh, and when, when Talisa says early on, uh, you know, I hope it's a very beautiful bridge. It really is. It really is. Uh, I also, I'm defending Stannis here. I do like dogs, what he says. I do like dogs. Good animal. Loyal. Yeah, Stannis isn't as bad as you all think there. Uh, and a great Stannis line. And when people ask me, why do you like Stannis? There's a lot of reasons I give them. A lot of it's just with the intensity that Stephen Delane brings to it and everything. But this is one of the lines that I just love about Stannis. Robert told me to hold Storm's End, so I held it. Duty. Um, not even just honor, but just doing your duty. Go on, do your duty. The last lines of Stannis. Big with him. He never questioned it publicly, maybe privately, but he did it. He held Storm's end. He wasn't rewarded for it. Maybe he didn't feel he needed the reward, but he felt it would have been almost Robert's duty to reward him for what he did because he gave it to Renly. Um, I love that so much. Uh, and then um, I do want to talk about uh, the Cersei and Roz scene. So uh, Lena Headey, obviously, just come on. She's just the best. And and this is a great scene with so many layers. Their stuff in season two with each other is just the best. Just they, they, the way they go at each other, the way they're learning. And, and we're coming off a scene in episode seven where Cersei's kind of confessing as much as she is able to with Tyrion. And he wants to comfort her as much as he just feels he can't. He just doesn't know how. There's almost a connection. And here we are an episode later. And she has found his weakness. Even though she did not find the right uh, right whore that Tyrion loved, she found his weakness. And, and Tyrion has to play, uh, and they talk about it in, in, the, in the extra features, he has to play two moments. He has to play his relief that, it, that it's Roz, but he's also sympathetic. It's an innocent woman being tortured by, by Cersei. He's upset at that, but then his real anger is knowing that Cersei's was prepared and willing to do this and could have got Shay. And I love some of that stuff. Um, you know, Shay's um, sometimes I know in a lot of circles not a popular character, but I love that. I love the scene, and I love you talk about who things that mean more. Just uh, when, when Tyrion's saying, I, "I will kill for you, I will kill for you," and I suspect I might have to before this is uh, uh, all over. Uh, uh, you know, knowing the, the tragedy. Uh, Shay saying, I am yours, you are mine. It, you know, it's, it, I think it's a powerful emotional scene and it's uh, tragic. We know what's going to happen with it just a couple couple, uh, couple seasons later. But a great scene. We can talk more and more and more about it. If you have any thoughts about it, call in. Let me know about Cersei and Tyrion and kind of this, um, you know, Cersei out for revenge. And in doing so kind of exp- makes a mistake, exposes what she's truly capable of. But I do love Cersei. It's this great line. Great line about Cersei uh, from Cersei. Perhaps I'm dangerous too. Her whole life overlooked, overlooked, 
a pawn in a political marriage, um, unable to, you know, find true uh, comfort in the world, so she finds it in her brother, and that's not right, and that's not wrong. She confesses, uh, you know, well, so that's not right, and in her eyes, not wrong, uh, but confesses that last week to Terry, and she, all those things, and even her own father, as she says later on, maybe I'm the only one prepared to carry on the dynasty, carry on your legacy, father. So perhaps I'm dangerous too is a very big motivating factor for Cersei. And at this point in the show, you know, we're, we're starting to like Cersei, starting to respect her, starting to get her. She's not just pure villain. She is, but, you know, just watching the show, you're just, we're just, we're just eating it up here, right? Uh, uh, just all the great Cersei moments. We're already starting to love the sipping of the wine and all that stuff. But you see where it goes. You see where, what Cersei gets, gets to. To go to season one, she's just kind of the, almost the evil queen. And the layers, the layers start coming in here. When she says this line, perhaps I'm dangerous too. To know that no one has treated her as dangerous. Ned Stark kind of didn't. She's in the garden. He's telling her, get, get your kids and get out of here so you can save. Uh, this is episode seven, seven, season one. Get out of here. Um, and she's just kind of like, I'll stand and fight you, Ned Stark. Maybe not with a sword, but I have other ways. Perhaps I'm dangerous too. It is a motivating factor for Cersei and a pretty powerful one there. Stars of the episode, we always like to talk about that. Uh, I got to say, Una, Una Chaplin as, as Talisa. Uh, she got that Chaplin family name there. Uh, um, uh, big speech. This is her big speech. This is her big moment. And that can be tough. You got to deliver this big expository speech on who you are. And, and it works. And you feel, and Richard Madden's great in this scene, and you feel the connection. When he shouts, I don't want to marry the Frey girl, you're, you're buying him. You're buying it for what it means. She is showing him this path of what he could be. Again, it's not, you know, Luna Chaplin's obviously gorgeous lady. Talisa's come sweeping in here and, and uh, you know, Rosalind Frey, we don't know that she exists. It's not just that surface stuff. It's not just that. Um, Talisa is showing Rob what he could be and showing him a path, showing him about this, the theme of the episode. Who you are might necess- not necessarily be who you want to be or maybe you want to live up to that in another way. All those kind of things we talked about. And I think this scene shows it, and she's so great in that scene. Uh, and a shout-out, i got to say shout-out, Liam Cunningham and Stephen Delane. I love their little scene here. It's one of my favorite scenes. Obviously, you've got some great Stannis lines and some some thesis statements for Stannis, but Davos is just great and charming. And it's you've, you. this is our first real insight into who Davos was before this and his journey and who he is. So I love that there as well. So uh, that is our look at um, Season 2, Episode 8, Prince of Winterfell. It is a uh, fun episode. Uh, it's, the pieces are are in place. And now we're going to move on to episode nine. Oh, Battle of Blackwater Bay. Blackwater is coming. Um, we'll see. Still one of my favorite battles, even after all these years, even though budgets got bigger and the effects got bigger. I still love this one. So, yeah. Um, so, yep, we'll go from there. We'll... Uh, We'll go for there. We'll see what the battle is. A lot of fun. Uh, thank you all for watching. If you're watching here on the YouTube channel, if you're subscribing on the, the podcast still, we stay right here. More things coming. Uh, this is going to be its own YouTube channel. We'll start doing, doing some live shows, some live streams. We got to get ready. There's some Game of Thrones Game of Thrones news out there. We got to get ready for House of the Dragon and the animated spinoff and Dunkin' Egg and all those kind of things. And that's where I can't wait to bring in some other wonderful folks into Casually Talk or back to Casually Talk to talk more about that. But we also will continue our rewatch of Game of Thrones. 
Uh, don't forget to go to the gpa.fun and join the Good People Association and subscribe uh, over there and for that YouTube channel. We're also on Twitch as well, twitch.tv slash goodpeoplegpa, streaming games and uh, content coming uh, over there. That's more than just games and exclusive to Twitch. So thank you so much, everybody. You have watched Casually Talk. The rewatch continues. We'll see you next week. Thank you.